ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's post-game edition of the Lashing Out Podcast on the Nittany Sports Now Network. I'm Kevin Quigley. He is Joe Smeltzer. And Joe, it was pretty ugly early, but this is another edition of a vic- this is another victory edition of this podcast. It is, Kevin, and uh it was ugly early and honestly from an offensive standpoint it was pretty much ugly uh, throughout the entire game but uh when you perform uh at least a lot of people say when you perform poorly on offense and score 41 points and win by 28 and outscore your opponent 31 to 3 in the second half uh that's a pretty good day and that's a sign of a pretty good team so uh, yeah, it was a ho-hum win. Um, Penn State, I think, kind of played down to its elements, much to the way it played up to its elements in the whiteout against Iowa. Penn State kind of let the um, different atmosphere kind of get to it, um, at least definitely early on in that game against Northwestern. But uh, when you win 41-13 and people are still complaining, uh, that's a sign that you have a pretty good football team. So, Yeah, and I, I wondered to myself, you know, James Franklin's, Franklin famously did not play any music in practice on Wednesday. Uh, I wondered if he played lullabies on the bus on the way to the football stadium on, uh, on Saturday morning, because just an absolutely flat start, even the off the offense really didn't really get it going at all. They had a couple key drives in the second half that started deep into Northwestern territory, a bit of a peculiar play calling from Northwestern. I like, I did like the fake pun. I think it was a, a good effort by Northwestern there and, you know, props to, to Penn state's defense for stopping that um, name escapes me. If you made that tackle, I know he wears number 12, but just the name is escaping Di- me. Dion Tracy. Dion Di- Tracy. That's yep. true. Freshman yeah. made the trip to Evanston and just made a real heads up play and stayed home on the punt punt coverage. And that's, that's what you want. True fresh. Like that's, that's promising if true freshmen are making that kind of plays. Like that's that's a football play. That is high football IQ of staying home, doing your responsibility. But the offense did what they needed to do. And, you know, we can gripe and complain about the first half. And I, I think we are justified to do so. But yeah, like you said, when you score 41 points in the in the in a game, you keep your 30 point streak alive, you keep your 10 plus point winning arrive streak alive, and you cover. What, what there's not much more we can ask for. They're going into a bye week this week, and they did exactly what they needed to do. You go into Northwestern. The, the only other thing we wanted them to do was stay healthy. That didn't quite happen, but um, hopefully none, neither of the two key injuries that happened. Uh, J.B. Nelson was carted off the field early, and then Katron Allen, I think, limped off in like the second quarter or something, mid-second quarter, I do believe. So, But two weeks until Ohio State. Yeah, and they really they don't need the guys uh, healthy for another three weeks. Uh, obviously, the bye week this week, you're playing nobody next week. UMass, I mean, no disrespect to UMass, but when you're at Penn State's level, that's kind of like um two bye weeks in a row, right? So you have about three weeks uh, to get the guys ready. And uh, people will talk about the flat start, Kevin, but the defense was awesome, and it was awesome in the first quarter, and with the exception of one drive in the second quarter, it was really awesome the entire game. So when you use that um, theory that, you know, the 11 a.m. Central time, uh, low crowd attendance, that type of thing affected Penn State, 
I don't know if I buy that because it didn't affect the whole team. It seemed to only affect the offense. And if it only affected the offense, maybe that's a sign that the issue is not with the start, but with how the offense is. And I don't know. The running game, I thought the running game would explode Saturday. That didn't happen. I thought there'd be explosive plays in the passing game. That didn't happen either. So it's it's a good win. It's always good to blow out a team on the road in the Big Ten, as James Frank James Franklin always says, winning is hard and winning is not something you take for granted. But at the same time, I don't really know what to make of this offense because we're waiting we're waiting for big things to happen with Mike Yurcich's unit and it just hasn't happened yet. And if Penn State isn't gonna run the ball well and have explosive plays in the passing game against Northwestern, it's fair to wonder when that's going to happen. I don't know. I I think I think this team desperately misses Trey Wallace. There are what? I think we were talking Jared and I talked in the summer. There's 10, 11 guys that could play wide receiver too, but there's only one who's shown this season that he is fully capable of playing wide receiver too. And that's Trey Wallace. Trey Wallace has been out the last three weeks. I didn't want him to play against Northwestern. Let's let's be real. They they didn't really need him until they got to the game when they were like, oh crap, uh, we don't have an offense right now. And the teams have sold out to stop the run. And they say, hey, Drew Aller, you're you're without your number two wide receiver. We know no one else on your roster is capable of being that number two wide receiver. Uh go ahead. Run the ball down there. Try to run the ball against us. And when you go to throw, there's going to be one person who's capable of getting open. We're probably going to spy him or double cover him every every play of the game. And unless you get that 39, yeah, whatever his 35-yard touchdown or uh, pass reception, unless you get that, go ahead, throw the ball. And I, I think the drop in Aller's performance is more related to Trey Wallace. Um, but I, I do want to see the adjustment from Yersich. Yersich said he needed to be in the booth this year. He went to the booth and play calling and offensive performance has been down. And I mean, we say they've been down. They've, they scored 41 points, but they have to figure this thing out. They, they've they got to find another wide, another wide receiver who's capable of it. Malik McLean looked like he was going to be that guy. And then he couldn't catch the ball. And it seems like he's in the doghouse now because I don't even think he had a snap on Saturday. So I don't know if he's got a broken hand or something, but that was a joke that he couldn't catch. Not that he's hurt. Um, just just, just a disclaimer there. But, you know, like, like what's going on in that receiver room? There's 11 guys and one of them can play? Yeah, Malik McLean had two snaps um against northwestern and that was it but uh your point kevin holds up he is um i think doghouse is probably a pretty fair description because he had his shot to play a big game against illinois and quite frankly and this is going to sound blunt but he blew it he had two chances to catch first down balls uh that would have been first downs kept drives alive and that that just didn't happen i love your point about trey wallace because when you think about it Penn State's played five games. The one game, and we're not going to count Delaware because, you know, that's big leagues against AAA, right? But five games, the one game you walked away feeling really good about the passing game, that was against West Virginia, and that was the game Trey Wallace played fully and had 
I forget the exact stats, but six catches, 78 yards, something like that. He had a pretty big game uh, in that receiver two spot. In that West Virginia game, uh, well, by the way, West Virginia's four and one, just got a big win over TCU, so that win is looking better for Penn State. But anyway, that was the one game you walked away feeling really good about Penn State's passing game, and Trey Wallace played that game, played against Delaware, did not play against Illinois played a little bit against Iowa and then didn't play at all at Northwestern. And since that West Virginia game, you really haven't been too encouraged by the Penn State passing game. And I'm not going to say that's entirely due to the absence slash limited reps that Trey Wallace has been getting, but it definitely, it's definitely had an impact. And I think once Trey Wallace is back in full swing, whenever that is, maybe that's UMass, maybe that's not to Ohio State, but, once Trey Wallace is back in that passing game, kind of in a full-time role, you're going to see a difference. And I definitely feel that there's something to the fact that Penn State hasn't had a big game through the air since the West Virginia game and since Trey Wallace really had a chance to show what he could fully do. So, Yeah, and I want to see the tight ends involved more split out. Like, Put a tight end, put Tyler Warren on a cornerback, draw that matchup, or put Theo Johnson out there and put Tyler Warren in the slot, and then throw Omari Evans in the other slot. Just overwhelm them, and they don't they don't seem willing to overwhelm a team through the air. They're just like dedicated to this run game, which I mean, you got two stud running backs, might as well use them. But if you make the team, if you make your opponent respect the pass by actually airing it out. Then, then you open up the run lanes, and then Nick Singleton and Katron Allen and Trey Potts get to do what they can do best. But if you're just going to play against a team and not stress stress the secondary at all, why even try? Like they're just going to stack eight in the box, seven, eight in the box against you, and say, "Yeah, go ahead, run it down, run it." You've done it the last eight plays, and you've gotten eight yards. Keep going, and your such is like, okay. I I just, I just don't get it, but they're heading into the bye week. They have a, they have the ability to change that, and we're gonna head into the break, and then we'll head on over to the second segment of the Lashing Out podcast on the Nittany Sports Now Network. Welcome back to the second segment of the Lashing Out Podcast on the Nittany Sports Now Network. I'm Kevin. He's Joe. Joe, we're back from break, and Penn State will be back on the practice field this week. There's no game on Saturday, but it's a bye week. And in college, unlike the pros, they actually get to practice. They don't send them away for a week. Uh, so every gripe and complaint that we've had is is potentially could get has the chance to get cleaned up. Yeah, it does, and uh, it's really an extended chance to clean it up because Penn State's going to beat UMass. They're going to beat UMass badly. Let's not sugarcoat that. Uh, no disrespect to UMass. Uh, UMass is okay. Shout out to Adam Brenneman, who played at UMass, played at Penn State before UMass, and is now a rising star in the college football uh, media industry, but uh, yeah, Penn State's not going to have any problem with UMass, and then you got Ohio State, who they might have a problem with, might have a big problem with, as any team who plays Ohio State might. Um, 
yeah, yeah, Penn State's uh, we'll see what happens out of the bye week because historically, and they're not going to lose to UMass, but coming out last year, they played Michigan after the bye week, got embarrassed, played Illinois out of the bye week two years ago, got embarrassed, played a close game against Illinois, but the fact that they lost to Illinois in itself was embarrassing, that nine-overtime game that I don't know what Penn State has lived down yet because it was less than two years ago and it was just that bad. But, oh, uh, yeah, this will be an interesting week for Penn State. I'm obviously working out uh, the kinks, and there have been a few for this 5-0 and start, and also uh, working towards the future of this program because recruiting has been, I don't know if it's James Franklin's bread and butter, but it's something that he is definitely known for as a head coach in his time at Penn State. They're going to attack their recruiting trail hard, um, harder than they would uh, during a normal week of the season. And we'll see. It'll be an interesting blend of Penn State figuring out what it needs to do uh, to get better with the current team and then working hard and recruiting uh, for the future of the program as well. So, yeah, let's let's go. Let's go snag a few commits from uh, some top wide receivers because that's what the team missed. That's what the team's missing. But you're right. It's a bye week this week, and it's all but a bye week next week. But the best thing is, is this team, they they know, like, they're not complacent. If you if you listen to Drew Aller after the game yesterday, yesterday we're recording the Sunday night. So after the game yesterday, we want to be as explosive as, as we can as an offense. That's always the goal. I've missed some explosive opportunities. You can say all you want about not being explosive, but people don't know how to cl- – how close we are to breaking a lot of things off. It's one missed block. It's one missed assignment. It's missed throws, yada, yada, yada. And the last thing he mentioned is timing. And when you have that revolving door at second, at the second wide receiver position, that's going to throw your timing off. This team is still trying to build the receiver core, how they want to use it because they have so many names. It's you got to give everybody playing time because of the transfer portal. You know, you you can't not play guys. There are two guys that transferred in to play this season, so you got to get them reps too. And they're just – they're right. There's been a couple times this season where it's a shoestring tackle or an 80-yard run. Or I think – I can't remember if it was the Penn State game I was watching. No, I think it might have been the Notre Dame game. But, like, it just shows, like, early in the season. Like, there was a play that, like – they had two offensive linemen for a linebacker and a D tackle, and they just whiffed on the D tackle. And it's like, man, if you just make like if everyone made those blocks correctly instead of getting tackled in the backfield, it's a twenty yard run. And that's the thing that I think they've been missing. JB Nelson going down doesn't help because that's going to throw off the timing and the chemistry of the offensive line. But going into the bye week, you clean things up this year, this week, and then you chest them out against UMass. And whatever didn't stick in the bye week, you test it out again in the, in the week leading up to Ohio State. And that's the big one. This that's the season is going to come down at this, at least at this point in time. It's going to be down to come down to when you win that if you win that game or not. I have 10 bucks on them to win. Both to cover. They're I think they're like six and a half point dogs right now. Like those odds are already out. They're like six and a half point dogs on Columbus. And I'm like, oh, they'll cover that. And I was like, why the hell not throw the money down on the money line as well? So I I fully think that they can go into Ohio State and win. But they've got two weeks to clean it up, and they've got some things to clean up. Talking about the Ohio State game, 
I mean, yeah, they do have some things to clean up, but I think this is going to be maybe the biggest regular season game of James Franklin's tenure. And well, we could talk a lot more about this in the three weeks between now and Ohio State, but you think about the last time Penn State played a game this big was 2017 against Ohio State. And you go back to 2017, I don't think the narrative that James Franklin can't beat Michigan and can't beat Ohio State, maybe it existed to an extent because I think Franklin was a, he was a combined one and two and four against Michigan and Ohio State at that point. But it definitely wasn't to the extent that it is now because Franklin had just beaten Ohio State the year before. So I don't think there were too many, too many people saying Franklin can't beat Ohio State. But now you fast forward, Ohio State has beaten Penn State six straight times. Michigan has beaten Penn State in four to fast five tries. That narrative that Franklin can't win these big games is a lot stronger than it was in 2017. And you combine that with how big the expectations are for this Penn State team with how little, with, uh, excuse me, going into Columbus and with how beatable Ohio State seems to be and with how good Michigan has become in the past few years, there's a lot of pressure, I think, on Penn State and James Franklin coming into that Ohio State game because, yeah, they'll have their chance against Michigan a few weeks down the line, regardless of what happens in Columbus. But if you lose to Ohio State, that's going to cast a lot of doubt on playing Michigan. And if you beat Ohio State, that means that that Michigan game is going to be the biggest game this program has had in the regular season since, I want to say since well before Franklin took over as head coach. So, yeah, I we can talk a lot more about it, as I said, but I would say that that game in Columbus might be, to this point, the most hyped game and the most important game James Franklin has coached, at least in the regular season, in his time at Penn State in what's been near a decade that he's been there. Yeah, and if you lose against Ohio State, the Michigan game doesn't matter. It matters, but, like, it doesn't. The national championship, or I don't <laughs> let's not get too hard on ourselves. Any hopes of the Final Four are gone if you lose to Ohio State. Because Ohio State doesn't look great. They are ranked in the top four, but they don't look great. And it's it's going to come down to, yes, can he win that big game? And sure, I'd love to see Franklin more successful against Ohio State and Michigan, but let's not fool ourselves. Penn State has been a perennial top 10 team since he's been there, and Ohio State and Michigan have been perennial top four teams since he's been there. So kind of give him a pass. Like, this is the next step of the hump. Like, you know, you got to climb the next rung of the ladder. And, um, yeah, this is the year that you have to take down Ohio State. And Kyle McCord doesn't look fantastic. And Penn State's was rolling three defensive ends at times against Northwestern. And I think that's going to be – this team is going to kind of be like the 2000 – was it 2000 Miami Hurricanes where the, def, where the defense outscored the offense? Yeah. Yeah, like this is, this is that kind – it's not that. This defense doesn't score points, but they do force a lot of turnovers. And they give their offense the ball in really favorable positions. And that's what Penn State's been missing against Ohio State. They had four turnovers last year against Ohio State. And up until about five, well, no, nine minutes left in the game, they actually had a shot. So, and in 2017, they were leading until the final drive. So they've shown that they can play well in Columbus. And uh, 
we'll see where they go from there. But bye week this week. Take care of that. Clean everything up. UMass the following week, and then then we're we're gonna hit the meat and potatoes. Rubber meets rubber's gonna meet the road that night. Actually, not even that night because it's gonna be a freaking big noon kickoff. Dude, Fox is ruining yep. college football. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. Um. I, I won't complain about it because I'm going to get to go to Columbus and then go back to Pittsburgh in the same day. So that's that's going to work out pretty good for me. But as a fan, especially a fan not going to the game, yeah, I can see why people are pissed. I can definitely see why people are pissed. I can see why they're upset about Michigan, which has been a bit, announced as a big noon game months ago. Um, Ohio State and Michigan, that's been a noon kick forever. So no reason to complain about that. But yeah, I think um, as a part of the media, I see things a little bit differently, but I definitely wouldn't argue with a football fan that is upset about what Fox's deal with the Big Ten has done to some of these big matchups. Yeah, it's just weird that they've actually. Let's talk about this in the third and final segment of the Lashing Out podcast on the Nifty Sports Now Network. Welcome back to the third and final segment of the Lashing Out Podcast on the Nittany Sports Now Network. He's Joe. I'm Kevin. Joe, we were just about to go down a massive wormhole ripping Fox to shreds. And I think we still can have that conversation because we look around the college football landscape um, from yesterday. There were three games at noon that had ranked teams. Um, Two of them were carried on the Fox family of networks. It's Penn State Northwestern was on Big Ten, which is, of course, Big Ten Network, which is, of course, owned by Fox. And uh, USC Colorado. Colorado was playing a 10 a.m. actual kickoff, and USC was playing a 9 a.m. body clock kickoff. And Fox has kind of made their bed and are laying in it of noon is the best time to play college football on a Saturday, and that's where we want to get all of the eyes. And the rest of the me- rest of the media de- TV world says, yeah, no, 3.30 and 7, 7.30. That's that's the time to play big games. And Fox is, Fox is not following suit. Yeah, going back uh, to when um, we were growing up, you know, you, you would think that the games that kicked off at noon were, you know, Purdue, Illinois, uh, Minnesota, Northwestern. Um, I, it sounds like I'm picking on the Big Ten West, but like those type of games, like you'd watch them. Uh, it'd be a, a nice appetizer for the rest of the day, but uh, yeah, now, um, Penn State, Michigan, very well could be two match a matchup between two top five teams, and it's kicking off at noon. That 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 just doesn't sit well with me. And as I mentioned in the last segment, as a media member, um, I like uh the idea of going up to State College or in a few weeks Columbus, and then going back home the same night. I kind of like that. Um, it makes things a little easier, but I'm just talking from a fan's perspective um, and what I would want out of my college football Saturday as a fan. I want those bigger games um, at night or at least at 3.30, and I want something to look forward to all day. And Big Noon kind of takes that away, and it's kind of hard to argue because money's, money talks and ratings lead to money. And from my understanding, 
I don't have the data in front of me right now, but I think that Big Noon has done pretty good ratings, and if the ratings are good, you're going to keep up with that. Uh, but yeah, from a college football fan standpoint, and I know a lot of people share my opinion, uh, you want the big games to look forward to later in the day, and you want the earlier starts saved for the Purdue, Illinois, Minnesota, whatever matchups of the world, and that element has definitely changed over the past uh, decade and even over the past five years. I don't know when Big Noon started, but uh, yeah, it's different. And as a reporter, I kind of enjoy it. But as somebody who enjoys college football from an objective stamp, from a, yeah, from an objective standpoint, I don't like it too much. So, yeah, I, I think it certainly, it certainly tones down the environment. Um, not everyone has to drink alcohol at tailgates, but that is what gets consumed out there. And uh, certainly uh, the more the fans are boosted up, the rowdier the crowd is and the ro- more raucous the environment is. And just it's it's not the NFL where like there's big games at one o'clock on Sunday. Like everybody lived for that seven, like growing up, especially lived for that 730 p.m. ESPN ABC kick. You just want to hear Herbie and um, Musburger. I guess it was not, it wasn't Herbie at the time, but yeah, it was Herbie and Musburger. Like that was the game you lived for every night. And uh, it just seems that Fox is, I guess, I don't know. Does Gus Johnson have a curfew? Like he can't be out past four o'clock and he's got to get back to his hotel or something. So um, anyways, around the, around college football, Georgia really struggled against Auburn. I know you didn't get to watch any of that game, but uh, Georgia was tied with Auburn going to the last drive of the game. And, I, man, I do not think Georgia is the number one ranked team in the country. Um, Carson Beck threw for 313 yards, but 157 of them were, his, were to his safety net in uh, Brock Bowers. So uh, I really I really do think Michigan's building that number one team in the country resume. And I'm not just saying that because Penn State's got to play them later in the season, but Michigan's handling their business and Georgia in a 330 kick on the road in Auburn barely could handle their own. Yep. Michigan's my number one, too. Uh, you can talk about the schedule, and yeah, they've played a crap schedule, let's face it. But a lot of other teams have. I mean, Georgia hasn't played a great schedule. Uh, Ohio State played Notre Dame, but other than that, really nothing. Penn State hasn't had too tough a schedule. Um, I can't really think of any team in the top 10 that you can look at and say, wow, they've really gone for a gong with these first five games. But uh, yeah, I would say that Georgia hasn't been, they weren't dominant. They were not dominant against South Carolina. They were not dominant against Auburn, Michigan say whatever about who they played, but Michigan's been dominant in their past uh, five games. The only five games they've played this year and they have, the pedigree they've been in the playoffs the past few years and i know they didn't win the national championship the way georgia did but i think right now through the season they have been the more convincing team than the georgia bulldogs have and they would be uh my number one definitely and yeah you could talk about the schedule but georgia hasn't played a great schedule either and they've had games where they struggled in michigan I'll let you count falling behind seven nothing to Rutgers as a struggle. Michigan hasn't struggled this year. Yeah. And just looking at the rankings, Georgia came into the season with 61st place votes, 58 after uh, going into week two. 
and they're now down to 35 first place votes. So the 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 committee, the the AP poll, it's it's bringing them back down to earth. Michigan has 12 first place votes, and Texas has 10. Uh, so really, it's just getting more dispersed out. And somehow, Florida State picks up another first place vote um, this week. They're up to four. So kind of interesting there. Uh, let's see. Texas beat Kansas. Man, I had high hopes for that matchup. But then Jalen Daniels, uh, Kansas's quarterback, uh, did not start the game due to a back injury. So that kind of that kind of ruined ruined the pizzazz that that game had. Texas ended up winning that one 40 to 14. Uh, USC beat Colorado. USC was up big in that game early. Um, USC just does not have a defense. I I don't think any conference has defense anymore besides the Pac-10. Besides, excuse me, besides the Big Ten. Pac-12 has no defense. The Big 12, Big 12 starting to get some defense back. The SEC, what was the Ole Miss LSU game had like 1,300 yards of offense in it. I mean, that was a, if that was the game to watch this weekend, that was exciting. Uh, it ended up being, I believe that is a trophy game, but the Ole Miss stormed the field after that one. I'm not sure that was a storm the field worthy. Um, Alabama handled Mississippi State 40-17. Dude, Duke. North Notre Dame. That was an absolute game. I know you got to watch some of that one and Duke missed two field goals and it took a Notre Dame touchdown basically as time expired uh, to handle, handle the Dukies, the blue devils for uh, the fighting Irish. And I, man, that was a, that was another classic game for Notre Dame. Yeah. Sam Hartman is awesome. Uh, That guy, he's not going to win the Heisman. I don't think, but, he is about as fun to watch as any quarterback in college football. And, you know, the cliche is that football is a game of inches. Uh, Notre Dame was faced with a fourth and 16 that they had to convert. They got it, ended up scoring a touchdown and a two-point conversion. And then Riley Leonard uh, has what looked like a pretty gruesome injury. Now it's sounding a little less gruesome. Uh, knock on wood, it's sounding like Riley Leonard will not miss the rest of the season for Duke. But you think about it, Kevin, if, Duke stops Notre Dame on that fourth and 16 Duke wins the game and they keep their quarterback, but because Notre Dame converts, it leads to a domino effect. And now who knows what becomes of the rest of Duke's season. But uh, yeah, talking about Notre Dame, man, that's a good football team. Should have beat Ohio state. Um, I won't, I won't rule Notre Dame out for the playoff because I think they can run the table. And if they're 11 and one, who knows what happens depending on what everybody else does uh, that would be in the college football playoff hunt. But in any case, uh, Sam Hartman, he, he is awesome. That that guy is about as fun to watch and has about as much guts as anybody in college football, I think. Yeah, I, I think their one loss early is going to hurt them because there's going to be so many teams ahead of them uh, that are undefeated currently and that will probably finish the season with zero or one losses. And if if it comes down to let's say Ohio State and Notre Dame and Ohio State's losses to Michigan and Notre Dame's losses to Ohio State, uh, you got to put Ohio State in. So, yeah. uh, but I think Ohio State's going to finish the year with two losses because I do think spoiler alert I do think Penn State's going to win that one as we discussed earlier. The only other game that I saw, dude, Kentucky was up twenty twenty two nothing twenty three nothing on Florida, uh, in in Kentucky. Duh. No offense, but I love to see Florida lose. Love to see them lose. And they just got boat raced. So uh, I think that's going to do it first, Joe. 
I, I don't have anything else to go on and we've been gone for a long time. So if you've been listening this long, we thank you. Um, uh, it's not, not easy to listen to a 35 minute podcast at this point in time. So uh, if you uh, found us on air, Spotify, Amazon, Apple, wherever you found us, if you can give us a like review, subscribe, follow, whatever you need to do, share it with your friends, share it with your dog. Uh, we'll catch you. Let's do it. We'll have a Monday release. I, there's no reason to do a pregame pregame podcast this week, so we'll uh, we'll reconvene uh, next Monday after the bye week to recap uh, the week that was college football. So we thank you as always for listening. This has been this has been Joe and Kevin on the Lashing Out podcast on the Nittany Sports Now Network.